Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host and husband, Kyler K. Jafari. Here we are. Well, did we just discover like a delightful new snack <laughs> before recording? Um, I mean, I'm not Catholic, so I don't have any basis for comparison. What happened was is uh, Kyler dropped or I dropped a cracker in Kyler's martini and he quickly fished it out and ate it to my surprise. And then you said it was actually kind of tasty. It's like that whole wine and crackers Catholic ritual thing, you know? It's like it's just missing the cheese. I think this is going to be a pretty crazy episode because we already had you eating a cracker out of a martini glass and then a literal spit take when um, we were kind of going back and forth about what we should talk about at the beginning of the episode. And I suggested patio furniture because we've been buying patio furniture today. And you spit your martini out and had to wipe it Well, I think it it's important to highlight that most people use the spit take as a sort of reference linguistically and almost never seriously. This might have been like a real genuine spit take. Yeah. And it wasn't like a spraying spit take. It was more of like a spittoon kind of like yeah. onto the table spit take. I had to get the extra absorbent bounty paper towels. <laughs> so, but now do we actually talk about shopping for patio furniture or are we just going to talk about spit takes over the years? Uh, well, since this is the only official real spit take I've ever had in my life, I don't know how they... I would have anything else to say about it other than that's now I know why it's so funny. Like, I think we've lived in this meta world where spit takes are just supposed to be funny because they're funny, but it's actually funny when it's for real. Well, it's that whole thing like stepping on a banana peel. Like, yeah, everybody says that's funny and it's like a cartoon. Now, I can't wait to actually but has anybody ever step actually on my first banana peel and f- like break my hip bone. Bingo. That's going to be hilarity for days. Well, I'm actually like afraid. So BTW, obviously, we're drinking martinis as we're recording this week's episode. I'm like afraid to keep drinking mine because I'm afraid I'm going to spit it out. You're going to like ruin the electronic equipment? Yeah, we've got like hundreds and hundreds. 
well, just hundreds of dollars of equipment here to record this podcast. No return on this investment. No, we can't afford this. But no, we're obviously we're still drinking. So well, we were we were buying patio furniture. I thought. Uh, which was also under the influence of a martini, I believe. And yeah, the best way to buy patio furniture is to get really drunk and then just order it online, which is how I do my best shopping. Pick and click and ship that shit. Ooh, I like that. Did you just come up with that yourself? No, it's like a fortune cookie I got at the Hunan restaurant last week. Ole. <laughs> Sure. But it turns out that uh, buying cushions for patio furniture is is a whole other side racket. Is a huge fucking troll. That's what it is. So we buy the patio furniture, which doesn't come with the cushions, which is fine. We'll custom make our cushions and get the color and the welting and the foam density that we want, honey. Well, yeah, then we went and priced it out and we're like, oh, my God, we're going to pay more for the cushions than we are for the actual fucking patio furniture. Yeah, this this whole topic is like dynasty levels of gay. It's so ridiculous. I know. Just when you thought we couldn't be bougie enough, now we're literally devoting minutes of our podcast to talking about patio furniture. But we Spit can taking gin martinis, <laughs> picking out sunbrella fabrics for our goddamn patio furniture. That's it's bad. We're not relevant at all. Yes, like how more in, people in... are listening to the podcast though, and from around the world. Well, I'm I've... so sorry they had to walk in on this. <laughs> like, let me pick up my dirty under things and uh, make the bed first. Uh, yeah, you guys, the newcomers. It, it's better than this, okay? We're not at our best this week, and we <laughs> God, understand really? that. I feel like that's a continuing bumper sticker that we're never going to live up to. It gets better? Yeah. I'd, maybe? Well, I guess we'll find out. I've been doing a deep dive into the analytics, and like, we're huge in Minneapolis, which I can't wrap my head around. Like, We have a lot of listeners in Minneapolis, so... Everybody out there in the mini Apple, yeah, I know you guys don't really call it that. Hello from Dynasty as they want to be. Isn't that like that that band like Big in Portland or something? Big in Portland. Yeah, big in Tulsa. I don't know. It's Big, big Sky Country. Big in somewhere. No, isn't the band that did the song Big Sky Country? Isn't their name Big Sky Country? No, you're thinking the Big Country, and it's. In a big country is the song. That's so fucked up. And why didn't No, it's they... genius. Are you kidding me? Like they threw away their whole legacy on the band name and the song at one. They're moment. like, we're going to be a one hit wonder. So we're going to go all we're in. We're going to name the, the band, name, the, song, the song, probably the album. <laughs> Do you think the album was probably called that too? I don't know. It probably I mean, was. I should look it up. It's kind of a hot song though. And maybe we should link to it because like I, every now and then I think about that song and the video BT dubs and... I always want to do that song at karaoke. It really and makes you want to like brush my teeth like all the way, you know? I don't know. I think people know that song. It was a big hit in the 80s. No, that's that's one of those songs that like everybody kind of knows, but nobody like inherently knows. And then when it comes on that one time ever, you're like, oh my God, yes, I totally know this song. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those songs though, like where it was sort of a one hit wonder at the time, but like it's not even an... It's it's not even wondrous. Like nobody thinks about these songs, and then like suddenly you hear it, and you're like, oh yeah. But that's the power of music, honey. Is that when you hear that, you're transported back to that time, and you remember it, and you love it, and you're living for it, even though it's not like in the zeitgeist ever. So it's cool. Anyway, to bring it back to patio furniture, so we were trying to figure out what color we wanted to order these 
goddamn fucking expensive cushions. And we both settled on yellow, which I think... I didn't settle. I just wanted yellow, and and like that was the instinct was yellow well i think the instinct was yellow because the carrington mansion's patio furniture is yellow at least that's been brainwashed by all these seasons of dynasty it's only the second season honey so but this is only the third time i've seen it oh that's right well it's my first but anyway we're ordering yellow patio furniture everybody get excited yeah with white welting what is it white welting on the episodes yeah, and it's also in like that classic white pipe, that PVC pipe pool furniture. Yeah. Remember that stuff? Anyway, let's take a break and get into this week's episode because if we keep talking about patio furniture, I'm going to need like 19 We're going to lose everybody and ourselves and our minds. Yeah, including all of the listeners in Minneapolis. Sorry. Love you guys. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I mean, this episode's called The Hearing, which, like all of the titles of these, of these episodes, is kind of a non-sequitur in some ways, if not even a red herring. Well, I know it's supposed to be about Blake's, you know, Crime Stoppers hearing, but it also makes me think like, oh, are we going to be like listening in for something special no not really it's just called also it's a little bit like he can't see so all he can do is hear i guess right but then that doesn't that's not really relevant it really because pan out the either. beginning of the episode he almost falls down the goddamn steps if it wasn't for jeff saving him yet again everybody's favorite house mooch jeff so i don't know i, I think we start i think we start with uh dr toscani because He's sort of this pivot point in this whole episode. By the way, this episode in general, I think, is one of my favorite episodes of this whole episode, this whole season. So Are far. you kidding me? Yeah, I'm gonna just, spit my martini. No, out. the pacing and there's like some hot shots. Uh, camera well, the work, cinemat- I, I agree. The cinematography is on point, which we need to but- cite examples because we can't just sit here and gush and you know just be fanboys. But anyway. But we'll get to that. My thing with this episode, though, is like Dr. Nick Toscani, normally I cannot stand this asshole. And I don't think that this, this episode is going to change my mind about him. But I'm sort of sympathizing with him in this one because like all these like women are like throwing themselves at him. And I mean, uh, you've got Fallon, who's like for whatever reason, she just keeps sacrificing all of her uh, female dignity. powers. And well, we could call that dignity. Sure. And, and, and like doing it for Dr. Nick, who like clearly does not care. And we've already established before that he calls the shots in that cheap side relationship. And then like you have uh, uh, Alexis shows up also campaigning for Fallon, her daughter. Well, yeah. And she books a fucking appointment. She's like going to pay to hang out with Dr. Nicholas Toscani. So she like clearly well, has a dog bucks, in fact. As she says. <laughs> right. Take it over, doctor. My daughter has possibilities. So does every human being. Every human being is not due to inherit a fortune one day. Would you really find that so hard to take? No. That doesn't mean her mother can buy me as a filler for a Christmas stocking. Fallon doesn't believe in Santa Claus, Doctor. Yeah, it's so weird that she would go to these links. And I know that you're a little 
questioning. I'm just questioning it. I'm sure there's something there. I'm really assuming that the writing is just on point here because why else would Alexis be showing up? Okay, so here's the I would way- think that Alexis would want to undermine the relationship so that Dr. Nick will end up with Crystal and blow the whole Carrington mansion to smithereens, but no. No, that's a good point. I mean, I do think it's weird because she saw in the last episode into his eyes and she realized right away that he's a nefarious character, which he is. He's got this sort of side angle he's and that's really to alexis's on. credit i mean she knows one when she sees one yeah which i was like totally clap clap clapping for but now this week she's like doing everything she can to get her uh daughter and nick together so it seems like she's kind of taken a step back so the only way that i can kind of rationalize it in my head is that if Nick is taken away from Crystal, then Alexis wins? Question mark? I don't know. Maybe my theory doesn't pan oh, out. Mm, that's not terrible. I, I, that makes more sense than like just random chaos and nihilism, which is what I was assuming. I kind of think there's also a long game that Alexis there is playing. There must be. And I think that he's just a piece of the puzzle, a knight, a pawn, not a pawn, but, you know, one of those, like, pieces that's not the king or the queen. What's the other ones besides the knight? Well, there's a rook. The rook. Yeah, maybe Dr. Mm, Nick is the Dr. rook. Dr. Nick is not a rook, though. Well, he's got crook id teeth. <laughs> oh, boy. The one thing I did like about Dr. Nick this episode is his sleepy acting. You know how like some mm. some of these actors are good I with do drunk love some acting. Good method sleepy acting. Yeah, he did it really well when Fallon calls him in the middle of the night after she wakes up from a sex dream. See now like your your phone would just be on D and D and you wouldn't even know. You up? That's basically mm, what this yeah. conversation was. I mean, this is a little bit booty call as well, for sure. Oh yeah. If he would have said come on over, she would have like, you know, Gotten in the doom buggy. Naked in... No panties. Yeah. I I think she was naked under those sheets because it seemed like she wasn't wearing anything. And we have confirmation that her and Jeff are Well, she's are in full not, makeup, of course, though. Oh, obviously. <laughs> you think Pamela Sue Martin's going to show up on screen without makeup? Well, get the fuck out of here. We did get confirmation that her and Jeff are not sleeping in the same room. Jeff is sleeping naked in another room. I think it's Steven's old room. The bed seems like familiar. Which is also a little creepy because it's now like her estranged husband, Jeff, is now like the little baby brother in the other room kind of thing. Like so The whole thing is which, so dysfunctional. Well, this yes, it's dysfunctional a la Crystal and, and Blake. Like they've established this whole household example of like unhappily married couples who are sleeping in separate beds and you know I everybody's think, got their own bed i think sammy joe is still sleeping with steven which is ironic because you know he's a yeah, former he's, homosexual he's, what do they call them gays? gays yeah so well okay so this is interesting about fallon and jeff like i think the last episode in this episode she's like trying to get all in his pants um, but it's not clear on screen. But no, it's she's like, trying in this episode too. She goes oh, and she yeah. like licks his shoulder or something. No, but but I'm I'm saying the effort clearly here is, um, it's it's the same thing. It's it's all a subterfuge. Like she doesn't really want Jeff. 
No, this, she's never won a she, job. She thinks she can establish the one household where the married couple is sleeping in bed together versus Crystal and Blake. And that's like her whole motivation here. Because again, she's going to deliver the child to Blake. Even though like that's her father, which totally creepy. So like there's all these things that like Fallon is like trying to fulfill in her own psychological, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's a screwed up world. It's mixed up and crazy. No, the levels of creepiness here know no bounds. I mean, she's fucking a guy that she thinks her stepmother is fucking and her stepmother is still married to her father. And then there's all this baby stuff. And Crystal gets involved in that when they're redecorating the nursery. And, you know, obviously Fallon wants no part of it. So she tells Crystal, ah, you choose out the you choose the wallpaper and the carriage and stuff. And it's like, hello, she just had a miscarriage and is, you know, emotionally unhinged. And you think that's like a responsible thing to say? No. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, they're doing the same guy and then it's not a classy situation well the only classy person here is alexis what i like about all of this though is like the mixed up carrington menage like you again you have blake and crystal sleeping in separate beds blake's even like said as much as like you can only do one thing for me i don't need your sympathy i don't need you to be some martyr i just need you to be in my bed um, and then you have like Fallon and Jeff, like kind of reenacting the same thing on a lower level, less exciting, but still the same idea. Yeah. I, I like that Crystal gets stuck with picking out the, the wallpaper and the drapes or what, you know, like she's decorating the nursery. Um, so it's not even her own child and she's like having to like, you know, pick out the nursery, you know, decor. Um, it's like this whole like topsy turvy upside down household, and that's that's kind of like it kind of like comes together in a strange way with uh, Sammy Joe and and Stephen um, who like have no sense being together and yet are the one couple to your point that are actually sharing a bed and and a vagina and a penis. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. ironic considering, you know, his sexuality. I loved Sammy Joe this episode. Heather Locklear, I think, has... It just took her a little while to... She's so hateable. Her character is just like, ugh. Well, she needed direction, right? Because clearly they cast her to be the T and the A on this show. And it took the writers, it took Heather Locklear, it took everybody a few episodes to kind of feel everything out. But I think we're headed in the right direction here. I think that Heather Locklear likes i mean we know she's good at playing that bitch because she did it on melrose Place oh she's a total shit show she's just being this prolific gold digger and i love the fact that she's going behind steven's back and she's getting credit and she's signing up oh, for those she's credit not just card deals digging for gold she's you know legging shopping for letters for of furs. credit yeah. yeah like oh and then yes then we get the whole shopping for furs oh, thing i love first scene yeah like okay so this is my problem this is exhibit b in my argument about the the problems of demonstrating denver colorado circa 1981 you can only have lunch in one place if you've got two nickels to rub together it's the saint dennis club and same thing goes for your furrier apparently there's only one place in town and of course alexis and sammy joe are gonna cross paths like like they've like there's seven days in a week and 24 hours in a day, right? And of course they just happen to be at I don't know what did we ever establish the name of this this 
fur boutique. It's I don't know. called like <laughs> Moliere fur. Something throwaway, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we like that. Well, though. are you sitting down? Because I think I noticed something okay. about the fur store. I think the fur store set is, is the Saint, Saint Dennis, Dennis Club, Club set. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just redressed they just, it. They just like moved a couple walls around, took out some bank heads. Yeah. it's the same. Bye to like, the hostess stand. Egregious hello to some minks. green carpet. Yeah, it's it's clearly the Saint Dennis set, but that's fine because I don't think we ever go back to this fur shop again. So should they have spent the bucks, as Alexis would say, no, probably not. Okay, so you picked up what I was putting down, but you know who is not picking up what she's putting down is Alexis. She thinks she saw Sammy Joe trying to go for that mink and put it on Carrington Credit, which I guess when you're in Denver, they don't check your you credit. You just throw a name around. Yeah, yeah, they just look at your ID and they're like, oh, Carrington, okay, cool. You automatically have an 800 credit score or whatever credit scores were in 1982. <laughs> and she's just trying to get that mink. And I love this whole kind of like pretty woman situation where the, the sales girl's like, mm, are you sure you don't want the fox? And Sammy Joe's like, I want the mink. And the sales girl's like, mm, it's a little old, old for you. I like that one. It's a rather expensive fur. And I'd say this fox has a much more youthful quality. I think it's tacky. I like the mink. That is mink. You don't feel it's a little old for you? Old? Or you think I don't have the money? Well, you know, we have a rather strict policy about credit. And returns, miss. My name happens to be Mrs. Stephen Carrington. And I'm not used to haggling over what suits me. I don't know. You're a fashion expert. Is Fox younger than my, me? My research into the world of fur really only extends to episodes of The Price is Right from 1978 through 1987. So I can only say that I don't really know. One dollar, Bob. Yeah. This is clearly going to come bite her in the ass. Like, she is reaching for the stars, and everybody is telling her, like, quit trying to spend all of that money. Like, it's not going to work. But she thinks because she has this little secret about Fallon that that's going to just give her the key to the fucking city, the Mile High City. I just like that they're like, you know, this could just be obvious gold digging. But they take it to another level. Like, she's in bed with a letter of credit. She's going to the fur place. Like, you know, she's really dialing it up. So we're we're making this very soap operatic. It was kind of set up last week, but we really see this play out. And I think we were both kind of right. This insane Senate committee that Blake and Andy Laird, the attorney, kind of put together to go at Logan Rhinewood turns out to be a complete and utter shit show yeah it's a sham what were they thinking well i don't want to like dissect moment by moment but i do want to understand like wait you do realize that's the point of this podcast right we're dissecting every moment of every episode of dynasty oh okay well i'm gonna go pour another drink i'll be back (laughs) no but seriously like so do we think that the Senate was bought out by this Logan Rhinewood mysterious figure in the background? No. So they just 
didn't take any of this very seriously. No, they're level-headed politicians. Wait, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I know this is 1981, but are you sure? I think it was a better time, the Reagan era. <laughs> no, I just think it was dumb, and it's Blake, again, being egotistical and thinking that he's better than everybody else. Well, I'm trying to figure out, are they like trying to like make Blake this bigger than life character? And that's why this is supposed to be national news that there's a Senate hearing, but then it's closed doors. Or is this just like what an egomaniac Blake is that he thinks the this latter. is such a big deal and it's really not? The latter. Okay. I think the latter for sure. I think he was able to call in favors to get this circus organized but then once it came time to actually like have the elephants come out and the clowns and whatever everybody was like no i'm not here for this it's I'm just a- like burnt par- caramel popcorn and you know some guy on stilts yeah and a lot of elephant dung oh everywhere my. yeah Wow, we really played that metaphor all the way to the end, didn't we? I mean, I want to squeeze it for one more, but it just (laughs) (laughs) it's not been that good so far, so why keep going? (laughs) Yeah, so I think, you know, he was able to pull it together, and then Logan Reinwood's attorney comes in and puts the punctuation at the end of that sentence because he's like, well, Logan Reinwood doesn't have any fucking thing to do with Denver, so peace out, mic drop, bye. Like it oh, was, that was the other thing. My my issue with this whole scenario is this business was transacted technically in Nevada, right? This uh-huh. is when the check was exchanged for I don't know forty nine percent of the football team or whatever. Yes, uh, this is like five episodes ago, which I do appreciate the fact that this show is asking you Continuity. to remember something that you may or may not have watched. You know, yeah, weeks ago. And so there's that. That's fine. But is that really what this boils down to? And that's not what I thought this like Senate committee was all about. I thought this was about uh, an ex- an IED exploding limousine situation and Blake going blind and this oh, guy's responsible. No, no, no. no. So I this thought- is all just like supposed to undermine this other guy's business and that's the way that Blake's going to get back at Logan Ryanwood or... No. Well, okay. So... Th- Okay, two counterpoints to that. The first is that Blake's whole thing, and it's been reiterated, it was reiterated three times actually, like I'm going to get him in the court of public opinion, right? So it wasn't so much of what the Senate committee could actually do. It was the fact that it was going to get publicity and he was going to drag Logan Reinwood out into the sunlight and everybody could see that he was draining that swamp. But see, this... But then, this wait, 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 okay. wait. But then, I have a point there, but yes. Continue. Okay, but I had two points, and I prefaced that that I was going to make two points. So, but that is completely null and void because the Senate committee said no publicity, no press is allowed, which is kind of weird because there should always be publicity, or there should always be a pool reporter or something allowed in a public hearing. Anyway, the second point is that. Well, fuck, I forgot my second point. What's your point? Well, my point was really, this is another great example of how Alexis always outdoes Blake. And she doesn't always outdo herself. She She's not always a winner, and I always like to preface that. However, she did that whole shenanigans with the suntan lotion and the 
you know, the paid off paparazzo guy. Well, that's because Rome. she was dealing with the media, the tabloid well, media. Well, that's what Blake thinks he's going to do here. He's like, oh, I'm going to have this like court of public opinion. And he doesn't get it. And it's like a total blow up in his face. And then you're like, then they're like, oh, well, Logan Ryan would send his emissary who's going to tell you that mm, we didn't even do business in Colorado and we have no stake in this game and your trial is moot. Well, and I the love end. and I love the the senator of color. I do like there are a lot of like minor characters of color so we're at least seeing like but something governmental yes, bureaucratic positions. It's very interesting. Yeah, way. but I love that that guy says, "Well, wait a minute. You're calling this guy shady." But then didn't you sell They actually 40? used the word shady. I, I know. I love yeah, it. Like, like old, white, boring guy using the word shady. And the black guy, of course. But like everybody like is very clearly establishment using that word in 1981. Rhinewood's chief hatchet man was here in Denver. Do you have proof of that, Mr. Carrington? He came to see me to hint at what might happen to me if I didn't sell my football team to Rhinewood on his terms. And your response was? I refused. Not because of the money, but to keep shady types like Rhinewood from controlling a clean American sport. Shady types, Mr. Carrington? Could you be more specific? If a duck is shady, then you call it shady, right? That's the saying? If a duck wears lipstick and fans itself, it's shady. Yeah. Yeah. I can see Denver from my front porch. Anyway, I love the fact that he says, well, if these are unsavory characters, why did you sell 49% of your fucking football team to them? And then, you know, Blake and Andy Laird, the attorney, are like, murmur, murmur. Well, we can't talk about that. Yeah, they, they, they play the poker hand. And it's like, you didn't think of that question before you came here? They were so ill-prepared. <sighs> I think I said this while we were watching. Like, this is my problem whenever, like, Dynasty tries to handle business affairs. And I will count this as business affairs because these are things that are sort of governmental logical and they're yes they're involved in like money decisions yes just everything falls apart because the writing does not have a handle on that side of it and it doesn't matter because nobody's here for that anyway we're all here for the clothes and the cigarettes and the champagne and like so like as, as as soon as we can just like get this like whatever this thing is with blake and logan Ryanwood out of the way well, I would kind of be okay with it. I'm fine with them introducing a little bit of government here and there. I mean, I'm looking forward to all kinds of hearings that will be happening soon in our government, especially one. But so <laughs> it could be good, but it's not campy. It's not interesting. It's not factual. And it makes everybody look like dumb and a big waste of time. Well, there was one campy moment. Oh, when he gets his eyesight back? Yeah, which is sort of like the final trope we have to discuss here. I mean, right? Mm. Yeah. No, we have to talk about Blake's blindness. Well, apparently, you know, because this is hysterical blindness, which this is an interesting term. I, I think I've heard of a uh, my favorite film of all time, period, the end, is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And you get this like bit about hysterical pregnancy Uh so i don't know if this is all just like a a bit of like uh pseudoscience you know or or folk medicine where hysterical quote unquote gets applied to things that are not really what they medically are i don't know so blake is hysterically here at dynasty as they want to be do not provide any actual medical advice 
So please consult your doctor if you have any medical questions. I just needed to put that disclaimer in there so well, people didn't you start just, coming you for just us. don't know. Well, we have more people listening to the podcast now, especially in Minneapolis. Maybe some doctors that could give better advice than we are, clearly. But oh, anyway, God. I hope doctors have better things to do yeah, than listen to this I podcast. I think we have better things to do, but here we are anyway. And... Blake has got hysterical blindness, quote unquote. I don't know what the hell that really means, but I think it just sort of suggests that it's selective. It's just like uh, Stephen's, you know, gay amnesia. Like you can just decide suddenly I'm not gay anymore. Well, here's the thing. So, okay, he's at the hearing. He starts hearing a synthesizer. He can start making out the faces of the senators. He makes out the face of Dr. Nick Toscani, which BTW, why did he invite Nick Toscani to the hearing? And then he doesn't even like talk to him there. He just like leaves anyway. Not worth actually. No, that's, that's a totally dropped thread. And that's, that is truly not good writing. Bad writing. Why did he ask the, I mean, unless this is like, are we like writing, the Dickens novel here where like the, the only thing it all I can comes back like 12 chapters wanted, later. I don't know. The only thing I can think is that they wanted Blake to see somebody he knew because he may not know these senators. I don't know. Anyway, he gets so incensed because the stupid ass kangaroo court doesn't go the way that he wants. And then he starts being able to see. And then later on, he gets this letter that makes him mad. So my question is, is he able to see because he's so mad? I think so because that's like Blake's like real true power throughout this whole show is like his anger. Yeah. It's like he's like so over the top ridiculously pissed off at moments like like that's like his superpower. Yeah, because you always you've always been talking about this season how Blake is kind of cooled. He was nice to Claudia. He's been kind of nice to Alexis here and there. So maybe because he's been chilling out a little bit, that's what caused the blindness. So now he realizes he needs to be a big bitch again, and that's what's going to cause him to see. My other theory is... is I like your other theory more. It's the glasses. It's the Disco Daddy glasses. Or That's the whole problem in this last three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's just get to the end of the episode. So... I don't know. You explain this crazy theory because I'm not sure I completely understand it. This strategy that Alexis and Fallon have cooked up concerning Crystal and Nick and a kidnapping letter or what no, is... No, it's, I mean, it's it's all a, a kidnapping letter. It's, it's the old classic like trope of like cutting out headlines for magazines and, you know, writing cryptic messages yeah kidnapping so that nobody can like identify the handwriting i guess i don't know it's uh, you know it's it's all very sloppy and don't don't think too hard about it oh too late so alexis did that and then fallon intercepted it so she could deliver it to blake even though he can't see right am i explaining this yes because fallon knew after speaking with Alexis that there was going to be this, you know, bomb drop bomb drop at the front door. So she intercepts the letter, which is a classic, you know, that's that's a great little plot thing. Yeah, I mean now and, we would just send a text from, you know, an anonymous number or something, but back then you would have to snip 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 the latest vogue and right. then send it in. Well, and you'd also have to get joseph the malicious majordomo out of your way so that you get it not him um which 
is pointed up later because he comes into the room with Blake after Fallon leaves after having read Blake the letter. And he's like, do you want me to read it for you again? AKA, I want to know what's in that letter. Read it again. No, you you want to read it for yourself. Well, yeah, of course. Joseph. Uh, but okay, so fine. Uh, but yeah, this so this letter gets intercepted. And I think it's all sort of... Uh, it's a little bit predictable, right? But I, I I do like the way that it's it's sort of worded like a a ransom note, though. Even though it's just like basically saying your wife's cheating on you. Well, that's because Alexis is an artist and she has a flair for the dramatic. She do, she do. But it is interesting that Fallon has such a difficult time delivering this to her father because this is kind of the first time we've well, seen her sort of cross him yeah, or do she's, something yes, nefarious against absolutely. him. Absolutely. She's being asked to choose sides. It was interesting. She hands him the letter and the envelope and if she really didn't want him to have it, she could have just handed him the envelope. But and now I'm just like overthinking these things. Like, Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? A fucking DNA test on this thing? Who cares? I mean, supposedly he's blind though. He wouldn't know what, what she handed him. But again, he goes into such a rage when she reads this, you know, kidnapping letter to him and he's able to suddenly see it. And my God, it's such a dramatic moment. You would have acted like he was blind his entire life. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Wasn't he just blind the last episode? Why is this like a miraculous turning point for us? Well, this just goes back to your theory. Like at the end of the scene and he, you know, removes the glasses and can see now. And oh, yeah. My theory is, like, is that he minute. could have actually seen this whole time, <laughs> but then he's just wearing sunglasses. So whoopsie if he hadn't been wearing sunglasses he could have actually seen. i mean yeah if you're wearing sunglasses at night indoors you're probably not going to see much of anything anywhere anytime it true it true so i don't know but look it at the end of the day though i think this is like a really well done episode and it takes sort of all of this corny bullshit that we've been just been like dissecting and packages it in a really nice way, and there's there's just some moments. Yeah, you know. there's those kind of like Hitchcockian moments, like when Fallon intercepts the letter and she's walking down the hallway, and uh, Joseph is in the background. That's an iconic blurry. moment. That might be one of the finest moments in early Dynasty photography. It really is a beautifully composed shot, and it's almost kind of it's like filmic. throwaway. And it's like, and you wonder, like, well, some—I don't know who the director was. I don't even know if it's one of the regular directors, but like, this was like a moment that was clearly inspired, and it's just for you know. 12 seconds on your screen yeah on tv it could have been on a movie the other thing though as a counterpoint to that is there's some weird shots with alexis where the film quality looks weird like when she's in the office i I like your argument that she was um looking asking for for an instagram yeah yeah she she needed that soft focus or something i I mean it's not for most of the scene so it makes me feel like they ran out of the usual film stock that they use and they just thought i just roll this i think some dynasty archaeologist like probably knows about that stuff and i don't i don't know how to get to the bottom of it there is i did a little bit of research into it and i couldn't i i couldn't put my finger on it but maybe we need to dig a little deeper but first we need to pick our lurks of the week well i'm picking crystal carrington second week in a row as my look of the week 
that little cape navy blue no, number. No, I hate this look. This Are is, you this, kidding me? This was like the anti look of the week for me. Anti look of the oh, week. I hate it with that the the terrible embroidered leaf thing up. It the was gorgeous. No. It was so regal. It looked no, like no, no, something no. that some member of the royal family could have worn. And then she's wearing that sort of. It's okay. Well, let me just explain what this it is. This is church lady fashion. No. Are you kidding me? She's wearing thigh high boots. You don't wear thigh high boots to the church. I don't know what church you've been to but so she's wearing this beautiful kind of navy blue or is it purple i don't know i'm a little colorblind it's blue you're colorblind i don't know if i call it navy but it's like a marine blue sure yeah it's a darker blue and it's a cape and then there's like a matching dress and then she's got like the the thigh high gray boot with it and then the purse it's like a clutch kind of purse no i cannot deal with the embroidered leaf detail up the center of the lapels no it's cornball. It's like bathroom wallpaper. No, it's iconic. It's sculptural. It's regal. And she's doing her updo, which we've been fans of the way she does the updo. I think they were really trying to make this updo happen for her because they wanted to move on from the haystacks. Yeah, they were but... like, please, Linda, can we make you do something else besides them bangs? I want to know the story look there like because a horse like, needs to go yeah, through it your very, face. It very quickly goes just goes back to, and then like, was that her decision? Was that their decision? I don't know. But anyway. Somebody could write a whole book on what was happening with the hair styling team on Dynasty. She is wearing nude pumps which seem to be a thing these days. They're There's not a lot nude. Of... It's like a gray. It matches the clutch purse. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. She's wearing knee-high, excuse me, or thigh scrunchy boots things, whatever's. No, the shoes are amazing. The clutch is gray. The earrings match the sort of gold clasp that goes over the cape. It's great. And then they're walking around this gorgeous sculpture garden, which I was like, where? I think that's why you are more inclined to like what she's wearing because of the setting. I don't, I don't the know. Setting the setting does elevate it. I will agree. The setting does elevate it, but I still love the outfit. It's different than anything we've seen. Linda Evans looks amazing in it. It's just, it's powerful. I think it's very pouty and ivory tower and over contemplative and it's just typical crystal which is fine because that's why we like you know this character well anyway boom what is your look of the week i actually my look of the week is crystal in head to toe red uh in the drawing room with with the decoratrice wow I didn't expect you to go there. Yeah, no, it's turtleneck. It's, you know, gathered shoulder with a little bit of a peak to it. Not full shoulder pads. Because, again, she's not a hard woman like Alexis is, you know. Um, And I I like in this that the reds actually match from top to bottom. It's not like there's like a softer material so the red looks different under the yeah, light. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough on the show. There's a lot of these outfits where they're doing the monochromatic thing. Which I think and was it like a doesn't hot quite style, gel. and yeah, yeah and it's like, mm, that and I don't know how much of that is like just they're doing a tonality thing versus they wanted it to look like one color and the lights don't show it that way. I don't know, but here I think it's it's like the first example, like literally so far 
where they're wearing a monotone outfit and the color actually is monotone. Uh-huh. And again, it's with that updo that we've both. Well, you know, and been I do like on. that because she looks good in it. And blondes, I'm a little blondie, and like red is a hard red color. Red is for not us. a blonde's color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I think this kind of points out how red was such a, a, a nascent indicator of power dressing in the 80s. Like, I mean, red will become much more important in a few more years, but. You're seeing red so much in these first, like you know, episodes of the season, um, on a lot of characters, not just actually on Crystal. It's interesting because she's not normally wearing red. No, no, no. Alexis it's is not really her color. Red, yeah. yeah. So it's you know it's you know so this is another look of the week that's a little more character based rather than just totally the outfit. But I think both are interesting together. Well, and I could see that they made that choice because in the scenes that she's wearing red, she is being more forceful than she normally is. So it does well, kind power, of lend color, the punctuation. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's another episode of Dynasty as they want to be in the books. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me again. I'm going to go out on the patio furniture and wallow around in some yellow sunbrella with my <laughs> martini now well before you do that let me thank also our listeners we love you guys whether you're in minneapolis or whether you're in san francisco or los angeles or anywhere in the world we appreciate you listening we do this for you guys and let us know what you think about the podcast your thoughts on the episodes you can do that it's trash all across social media we're at nasty podcast n-a-s-t-y podcast you can also leave us a review on itunes or stitcher or anywhere that accepts podcast reviews thanks for listening i hope everybody has a great week and a great credit score too
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.